This episode of Earl Grey is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 180,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help Trek FM at the same time, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program of the nonprofit National Space Society. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org. Hi, this is Robert O'Reilly. My name is Gowron. Honor to you and your house. You're listening to Trek FM. P.O. Grey Hot. Hello and welcome to another cup of Earl Grey, Trek FM's dedicated podcast to the next generation. I'm your host, Richard Marquez, and here with me as always is the amazing Justin Ozer. How you doing, Justin? I'm doing great. Keep the compliments coming every week and I'll keep coming back. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, I mean, you are a co-host. I would hope you come back. (laughs) I'm kidding, of course. Thank you. It's great to be here as always talking about the next generation. Outstanding. And unfortunately, to this week, again, um, Amy is out this week on some uh, Ryza incursion or something like that. All-inclusive weekend is what, is what she's doing right now. So, uh, but, she'll, uh, but fear not, she will be back next week. But for right now, uh, we have a special guest today that's filling in for Amy. Nick, Anast- is it Anastasia? <laughs> Anastasio, yeah. There you go. There you go. How are you today, Nick? I'm doing well. A little intimidated at the prospect of filling in for Amy on her podcast of choice, the TNG podcast. You know, it's uh, those are big shoes to fill to fill the uh, the queen the queen of podcast and uh, and uh, and I've never been on Earl Grey, so I'm really excited about that. I've uh, I've participated in a few uh, podcasts on Trek FM before and have a lot of fun on on all of them, and I'm a huge TNG fan. So it's a it's a really really big deal and a cool way for me to be uh, on uh, on Earl Grey for the first time. Yeah, and you're awesome. And you're a patron of the network as well, right? That's true. Yeah, I've been a, a patron for a patron for about uh, a year and a half now. Um, very happy to be. I mean, it's I was on the six hundred two club recently, and and uh, I was just saying it's very genuine. It's it's a great. It's one of those things where you feel like you're participating and you're helping out something that's really worth helping, but you're not just donating money. You really feel like you get you get to be an active participant in something that's really cool and worth being a part of. If you're a Star Trek fan, I think that no matter how how much you can give, um, it really makes you feel like you get you're you're just buying into something that you're then um, getting something in return for and something really great. The Babel Conference, all the shows, and you know, uh, the network hosts and producers are really good about actively involving all, all the, the, the patrons. And that's, that's really awesome. Cool. Excellent. Right yeah. on. Well, that, that took care of our next question. <laughs> awesome. Um, actually, I actually listened to that, uh, 602 club, uh, for the black Panther. That's, it's a, that's a great movie. And, um, I did not know that you actually were a part of it. So that's, yeah, that's really you. cool. Thank you. 
Thank yeah. you. Yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a hard, um, tiring experience, but it was worth it in the end. Uh, for I, I, I went to see it um, with a few friends of mine, and, and just be part to see the excitement of my friends, but actually of the the whole. There were families um, who had uh, gone see the movie already two or three times. We went to see it opening weekend Sunday, and and especially this one family really struck me. They were coming out of the theater, and they were like the, the two grandmas. They were well in their seventies, and they were giddy like like little girls. Um, and that it was that made me feel really good about having been part of the uh, of the of the process. Oh, nice! I'm actually going to see it uh, later today for the first time. So looking forward mm-hmm. to it. Hope you like it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Awesome. I saw I saw it on Thursday, and I I, I can't give it m- uh, any more praise. <laughs> cool. <laughs> it's forget. It's it's awesome. It's an awesome film, and very well put together. I loved it. So <laughs> yeah, I think they did a good job at, at making it. You know, it has everything that makes it entertaining, fun, and you know. But kind of like Star Trek in a way, you know, they, they, they don't try. It, it is what it is. You enjoy your popcorn. There's a lot of fun action, humor. But at the same time, they slip a few ideas that make you think and, and you walk out and you feel like you have a little bit of substance there, too. And I think that's great. I totally agree with that. Yeah. Well, we're not going to be talking about the Black Panther. <laughs> <laughs> but before we actually dive into our actual episode, we have some Babel Conference feedback, uh, and we're going to just go back to uh, Earl Grey 216, and that would be favorite season three character moments. Yes, so uh, Wes Huntington says, I have to concur with all nine choices for character moments in season three and the two honorable mentions. I had never made that connection that Justin had made to Darmok and who watches the Watchers. If I may, I would like to say Jordy in The Enemy, in which he has to rely on Centurion Bakra to navigate Galandin Corps in order to be rescued. So thank you for your comment, Wes. I know you're often one of the first people to comment on our episodes in the Babel Conference, and I appreciate that, uh, and that you enjoyed the episode. And you're right that um, the moments with Jordy and with the Centurion on on the, the Romulan on the planet in The Enemy are, are excellent. That's one of my favorite episodes and probably another one I could have pulled some favorite moments because there's so much great stuff in in that season. So thanks again for your comment. You know, honestly, when I when I saw that comment, I was surprised that you guys actually didn't uh, choose that one after because um, because we've talked about uh, Jordy uh, uh, growing in that episode and and whatnot. I so. mean, it's tough because you know it's three moments and maybe one or two honorable mentions, and I probably could have picked fifty moments. So you know, I mean, there's really so much great stuff in in season three. So you mean all within who watches the watchers. <laughs> You know what? Like we we titled that episode um I live this scene every day because it was Amy talking about how, you know, tough it was sometimes when their math students don't don't get things and you know there's a moment where Picard sees that Nurian who watches the watchers doesn't get it and he gives a face palm, but I almost titled it also from who watches the watchers because we just had so many moments from that one episode. <laughs> so, that was fun. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Tim Hans uh said Good timing, turning uh, turning to a discussion on season three, as I began my own rerun watch after finishing and completing season two very soon. Looking forward to my rerun and this particular Errol Gray episode, as season three was when TNG eventually hit its stride. I totally agree with that. It, they for sure hit their stride right in season three. Some of the best stories come out of it, and then so on and so on. So thank you, Tim. Yeah, thanks, Tim. I definitely agree. I mean, as we said, you know, I think seasons one and two are a little underappreciated and there's some great stuff there, but they were really, you know, moving into the peak of Next Generation on season three. Season three is almost one straight knockout 
home run after another after another. I was doing a rewatch recently with my kid over the holidays. And I mean, I know, and I know season three really well, but I hadn't watched it through and through for a while, you know, from beginning to end. And I was just, I was watching it with him. And every night, you know, we'd, we'd turn on the Apple TV and, and he'd be like, oh, what's this episode? I'd be like, oh, that's another, that's another, this is one of the best, most classic TNG episodes. And the next night, oh, well, this is one of the most classic, very best TNG episodes. And after the third or fourth, he's like, so basically you're telling me the whole season is one of the best. I said, well, actually, yeah, it is. It's one of the best seasons of Star Trek of all time. It, it pretty much is. I agree. <laughs> I, I mean, I rewatched it recently and yeah, it's just one after another great episodes. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. No arguments here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Aaron Park says, I love these character moment episodes. They're coinciding perfectly with my own TNG rewatch, which is absolutely perfect. The moments you all chose were fantastic. Personally, I love the development of Captain Picard this season. He shows his knowledge, bravery, and cultural sensitivity in Sins of the Father. And I love all things Klingon, so that helps. And a sense of humor really starts to shine in this season. But my absolute favorite moment is from Sarek. This is one of my favorite episodes for many reasons, but I too love the sacrifice of Picard. Side note, he didn't say Michael when he was naming the ones he's loved over the years, which I have to choose to ignore to uphold my discovery love. So thanks for your comment, Aaron. I, I you know, appreciate all of, of your thoughts. Those are, those are great moments. And as I commented in the Babel conference, uh, you know, Picard as Sarek didn't mention Cybok either, so he wasn't including everybody. Hmm. <laughs> Works for me. <laughs> Patrick Carlin said, I love both Justin's picks for Picard, especially the one with the defector. Another one I love from that episode is the se- uh, scene of uh, Picard and Jarek in the ready room. I cannot betray my people. You already betrayed your people, Admiral. You made your choice choices, sir. You're a traitor. Now, if the better, if the bitter, t- <laughs> now, if the bitter taste of, of that is unpalatable to you, uh, to you. I am truly sorry, but I will not risk my cr- uh, crew because you you think you can dance on the edge of the neutral zone. You crossed over, Admiral. You uh, you make yourself comfortable with that. So, yeah, it's a great scene. The Defector's a a really great episode. So thanks for that uh, comment, uh, Patrick. Keith Johnson says, "Good show. Started listening to y'all a month or so ago and enjoy it." Season three is probably my favorite along with season five. One of the best character moments I'm surprised not mentioned is from The Offspring, easily in my top 10 episodes. It's the one when Data creates his daughter, Lal. Starfleet Admiral Haftel later shows up to take Lal, saying she needs to be cared for, read, studied, outside of Data's influence, which he ironically feels will be detrimental to her development. Haftel orders Data to turn over Lal, but Picard tells him to stay. What follows is a charged scene, with Picard saying to the Admiral he will do damage to Lal emotionally. Picard threatens to take the matter to Starfleet, and Haftel tells him, I am Starfleet. You're jeopardizing your command and your career. Picard says, Sometimes, sir, men of good conscience cannot blindly follow orders. You acknowledge their sentience, but you ignore their personal liberties, their freedom. And then the line, Order a man to hand his child over to the state, not as long as I'm his captain. Wow. This scene gives me chills, moves me, makes me shout in support of Picard every time I watch it. What a powerful example of the man who will risk everything to protect his crew and more the rights of people, androids or not. Willing to take on an admiral and, one suspects, Starfleet itself if need be, is a testament to Picard's character and sense of right and wrong. A powerful scene in an amazingly good episode. Well, first, welcome Keith. Uh, Thank you for 
listening to Earl Grey starting recently and definitely appreciate the the comment and I felt like you're playing the uh, that scene in your head and writing it down in, in that extended comment. But I wanted to to read all of it because it is a really powerful scene in in a really great episode, The Offspring. I think, as we said, we sometimes in these character moments episodes avoid the more kind of well-loved or well-known episodes to try to highlight character moments from other episodes. But I, we really appreciate the comments that you give from those more well-loved episodes of the scenes that mean a lot to you. So uh, thanks again for that comment. Absolutely. You think he was typing it faster as he's getting excited as he's uh, replaying in his head? <laughs> Seems like it. So, yeah, Keith, really appreciate the enthusiasm in, in writing all that out, and I felt like I wanted to read all of it. There you go. There you go. Well, welcome aboard, Keith. We're glad you're here. <laughs> so, uh, Greg Malumbi, uh, this is the last one. <laughs> uh, Greg Malumbi said, Who knew uh, Who Watches the Watchers was a popular episode? So bonk bonk on the head. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it was popular it was among pre- the old gray crew, at least. Yeah, yeah it was. <laughs> well, that's why I stayed away from it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, anyway, <laughs> um, it was pretty. It was pretty good. It's not. Uh, it's not my favorite from season three. In terms of my favorite character moments, Picard harvesting Sarek's uh, emotions has got uh, got to be up there. Masterful performance from Patrick Stewart. I also enjoyed Jordy's newfound confidence in transfigurations. Pity he didn't keep it. Picard singing drinking songs uh, in Allegiance, and I don't remember that. I, I, I'll have to look really good. Anyway, I'll, I'll, I'll talk um, about it in a second, but go ahead. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and Rikers, you're de- you're a dead man. I'll, I'll, oh, my gosh. Outguard, <laughs> thank you. A dead man <laughs> in a matter of perspective. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thanks, Greg. There, there is some great stuff in there. Transfigurations is actually an episode, I don't know if people talk about a lot, but is really good where this guy from this one species is transforming into into another. And um, yeah, I'd have to rewatch it because I don't remember the part about Jordy, honestly, but Picard singing the the drinking song. So, so Richard Allegiance is the one where uh, Picard and some other people are replaced with uh, some, I guess, replicants or replicated beings and taken to this alien place and they have to figure out what's going on. And the Picard that they put in his place is totally off character because he's singing drinking songs and he's so happy. That's <laughs> Remember right. that, yeah? Yeah, I remember now. Okay. It's yeah. pretty great. It's a season seven episode, yeah? Allegiance is season three, actually. Season three? It is. Oh, wow. It really is. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, it's the one where he's uh, yeah he's in the he's in the room that's mm-hmm. sort of like circular room yeah. and there's like a guy who looks kind of like a Nausicaan even though it's not a yeah and there's a Bolian and, there's the, yeah. and somebody right. else but right uh, and the cadet ends up being the the, the spy or yeah, the, spoilers <laughs> no we've probably <laughs> seen it by now but <laughs> yeah but yeah no it's all great choices Greg thank you and appreciate uh, all of those choices you gave us awesome thank you guys <laughs> well. So now on to the episode. Um, so today, what we're going to be uh, discussing today is we're going to be we're going to be um, ranking. Well, maybe not ranking, but picking our three favorite badass Picard moments. So whatever, uh, whenever you think that Picard is uh, being a being an ultimate badass, whatever it could be, whether it be intellectual, physical, whatever, which we'll we'll find out in a second. Um, this is what we're going to be choosing. So, yeah. actually, before we get started with our picks, so so Nick, when we invited you on Earl Grey, uh, you had made this suggestion for a topic. So I was just 
you know, curious if you could tell us briefly uh, why you suggested that or, or what interests you about this topic. Sure. Um, well, I, I came up with the idea of, of doing um, Captain Picard's most badass moments. And uh, the reason for that is um, that Captain Picard is, I go back and forth between Kirk and Picard as my favorite captains. It really depends on the day. It depends if I've just watched an episode of TOS or an episode of TNG, really. Um, if I had to just commit to one for good, Picard would probably edge Kirk out a little bit. And the reason being is that Picard has all the amazing intellectual, emotional, you know, diplomatic power that we know him, that he's famous for as a character. But he also has moments, whether it's action, physical action, or, or in terms of his character, moments of, of genuine strength, military strength, and, and um, toughness about him that are completely on par with Kirk. And so I thought, well, then again, it's, I don't want to choose ever, but if I had to, I'd probably choose for that reason. And while, while his diplomatic skills and, and his, his discourse, his speeches about morality are very famous. I feel like you don't hear a lot about Picard as a badass. And so I thought that might be a good, a fun thing to, to, to chat about. Excellent. Yeah, I was thinking about that as well, because I think, I mean, actually, for me, my two favorite captains are Picard and Cisco, And I think Cisco is probably known as a badass much more than Picard. And probably Kirk, too. Probably even, you know, Janeway and, and Archer and Lorca before you might think of, of Picard in, in that way. So I, I love that you're trying, we're trying to highlight those those moments where he gets to, to that level that you might associate with other captains first. Wait, wait, yeah. I'm good. I'm confused. Are we do are we ranking captains? No, 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 ranking? no. I was just making mentions. <laughs> the ranking captains is not this episode, but but uh, I, I just thought I'd throw that in there because actually, when I think badass captain, Cisco is the one that comes to mind first for me. Actually, but for sure, that's just that's just yeah. my personal preference. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah. So I was just curious, Nick, why you chosen that topic. So I appreciate you telling our listeners about that. And I think Richard, we can probably get started with the choices. Awesome. Well, Nick, since you're the guest, uh, would you like to take the first one? Sure. Um, and so I've, I mean, I've ranked mine, I guess, yeah, and you could say in order of, uh, of uh, uh, least to most favorite, three to one. Um, they're all awesome, so it's not like I have the least is, you know. But uh, um, and my first, which would be number three, I guess, sort of the bottom of my list, would be Starship Mine. Um, and probably, you know, um, I mean, the most traditional in terms of badass, and because he is kind of, I mean, it's basically John McClane in space. He's, he's, he's doing die hard on the enterprise. So it doesn't get much more kind of the epitome of the badass action hero. Um, and, but what I like is, so he, he handles the John McClane role, right? The, the guy who is going to defeat this whole group of, of, uh, of, uh, of, uh, bad guys by himself, but he's still, what I like, liked about this particular story is that it's done in a way that still profoundly respects the, the character of Captain Picard. So he does prove to be a badass and, and you know, um, can pull his weight in, in the action moments, but he's very much using his brain and outsmarting them um, and still even kind of talking them out kind of when he needs to, to bring on this peach side of, of Picard. So I, I, I just, I think it's the best of both worlds in terms of, uh, of uh, that marriage of, uh, of Picard as a diplomat and, smart guy and an action hero. 
Yeah, I completely agree. In fact, you took my choice, Nick. <laughs> so I'll, maybe I'll talk about it a little bit because, yeah, I think that's what what's interesting. Like he he does all of this stuff. He's setting booby traps. He has the crossbow that he uses, and you know he's willing to kill people if he needs to. But you can tell at different moments that he's he's trying to kind of minimize the harm if he can, if it's possible at that moment. Um, and he's also I think shows some regret for some of the actions that, that he has to take. I mean, it's like interesting. One of the things that I think about from that episode also that makes him a badass is being a non Vulcan using a Vulcan nerve pinch. I think that's just awesome. We have seen it in other places. You see uh, data use it. Um, you see, I think uh, even seven of nine and Odo and, you know, there are a couple of other, places where people use it successfully but it's a rare thing and i think that's just pretty awesome that he's kind of i feel like he's integrated the knowledge that sarek has so he can do a a successful vulcan nerve pinch at that moment a couple that is a good point yeah yeah Yeah, that is a good point he does seem to do it in the most kind of comfortable like as as if it was second nature which i guess Mm -hmm. it kind of is because of the mind meld and that's what makes it look really cool yeah so (laughs) i i love the episode it's it's a it's a great choice yeah uh, any thoughts on it, uh, Richard? I actually forgot about Starship Mine. Actually, really? <laughs> yeah, I did. I was like, as soon as I thought, as soon as you started talking about, it, I'm like, oh man, why didn't I put that on my list? But thank God, because I, because um, then you know that would have taken out one of my choices. So, uh, but yeah, that's it's a great episode. I love that episode. Um, him sneaking around and it's uh, the, about around the Enterprise and you know um, taking out all those, I guess, terrorists. Yeah, because, well, I think they're, Whatever. what, they're trying to take something from, oh, I forget what they were trying to take. Yeah, I, I think they, they, they made it, it's basically, it follows the, the, um, the diehard through line very much in the, fa- in the sense that in the end, you realize that they're pretty much common thieves, because I think they're trying to, it's a component they're trying to steal because they want to resell it uh, mm. to the highest bidder. I forget if it's something that can be used for, for weapons or, or. Um, if it, it, I don't think it, in and out of itself it is a weapon, but it can be weaponized or something. And when Picard realizes, he says, "Oh, you just want to, you just want to sell it. Um, you don't care who buys it. You just want to, you just want to make." Fun. Oh yeah, actually, I was just looking it up. So it's something that's considered like toxic waste from the warp core, but they're trying to right. use it as an explosive. So I think they're selling weapons. Yeah, a dirty bomb or something like that. Yeah, but but no, it's. It's pretty great, and I think as we've said on you know previous episodes of, of Earl Grey, people often think of Picard as a diplomatic type, but when it's necessary to do what he has to do, he will do it. You know, he's a Starfleet officer; he has you know all of this training. He will do what he needs to do in order to sure. you know save lives or the ship or you know keep something from getting into the wrong hands. So you know, I I was just thinking. So I don't know if there is any a set in novels, but how awesome would that be if we would actually have like a novel set of Picard in his younger days doing missions? There, the, I haven't read them, but there is a series of Stargazer novels with him as the captain of the Stargazer. Is that what you were thinking of? Picard. Picard. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And there's Starga- a whole. There's a whole series. Oh no! 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 I'm sorry. You're thinking I, something I, else? I thought you said Stargate. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I was like, it's a crossover. Like, Picard talk- is in Stargate. Yeah, Richard and- is crossing franchises over now. <laughs> and then I Babylon Five swear, comes in. I swear, I swear, that's what I thought he said. I think he said Stargate. I'm like, why are we talking about Stargate? Yeah, Picard <laughs> just comes through the Stargate and has adventure. No, they have to unite to fight the Cylons. Yeah. Oh, there you go. <laughs> but anyway, there there is a series of Stargazer novels that are supposed to be good. So, oh man, oh. <laughs> 
That's great. I love it. <laughs> I got that out of my system. <laughs> <laughs> Well, since you guys have took it out your, uh, cho- your well, choice, well, I, so I, I guess I can what... no, oh, I can okay. I can have an alternate one for my first choice. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. All right. So, since my first one of Starship Mine was taken, I'm going to take one with an alternate timeline Picard from yesterday's Enterprise. So, nice. of course, I love yesterday's Enterprise as an episode, but one of the things that always strikes me is, you know, toward the end when they have to safeguard the enterprise c going through the the temporal rift and they're being attacked by by klingons you know people are dying left and right on the bridge including Riker. um and and at a certain point the klingons ask for uh for for his surrender and he says that'll be the day and he jumps over the railing he takes over tactical he's like firing the weapons and doing everything he can for the mission to succeed while there's like flames in front of him and all around him and everything's falling apart i think that that moment yeah, it's an alternate Picard, but that moment is is awesome. I just I just love that that's kind of where they choose to to end that part before it goes back to the timeline we're used to. It's a great moment. Yeah, it's a great choice. What do you think, it's Richard? Really, really awesome. <laughs> you took my number two choice. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> it was that particular moment from yesterday's it was. Enterprise. It was. Yeah. See, that's it, the thing. Yeah. Like, I, I thought we might have a lot of. <laughs> A lot of different moments in in common, but but yeah, and like what's really interesting in yesterday's Enterprise, this alternate Picard. So you know, the Enterprise D is more of a military ship, right? So I assume they have more kind of hardcore military training. But at the same time, you do still see what you know of of Picard when he's trying to figure out the situation, and he's you know giving Guinan a a chance with what she's trying to to convince him of to to do what's necessary, even though it doesn't quite make sense. So like even in that more kind of militaristic Picard that you see in that timeline, you can still see the things that that we're used to seeing, you know, like the 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 thoughtfulness and really trying to um figure out the situation and not act too hastily. So I, I really appreciate that about that particular Picard as well. Yeah, I mean the fact that he would that like you said, even in the middle of a war in this this alternate universe that's much more militaristic that he still takes the time to go talk to the bartender and we know Mm -hmm. that they have a special relationship which we can assume they also have in that universe in that timeline but um and and even though he gets quite mad at her (laughs) you know not good enough damn it but still i mean you know and it gets him it gets him thinking and 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 so yeah that's what I, i think what i was describing earlier too i love i love when the best is when you see the marriage of, of Picard, the diplomat Picard, the guy who thinks through, and Picard, like you said, the guy who is has, has absolutely no qualms. You know, his his military training is there as well, and when it has to step in, he knows he's able to parse out which one should dictate his decision at any given moment. Yeah, and, and in this situation, you would think that, you know, if he was just thinking as a military commander, he'd be like, we're in the middle of this war. We need every ship we can. I'm going to press the Enterprise C into service. That's crazy to have them go through a temple rift and maybe wipe out our timeline. I'm just going to take this and we're going to attack the Klingons with these these couple of ships or add it to our fleet. But he, yeah, even in that alternate timeline is just thinking, what's the best thing is if there's even a chance to get out of this terrible situation the war is practically lost anyway so i might as well go for it you know so i i I really appreciate that it might have been a different story if they were actually winning Uh, that's possible yeah because i think in the end he's like well things are going badly anyway so and guinan's often right so why not (laughs) you know yeah but but it's true it could have been different um if they were actually winning the war it was more even yeah yeah, he could have been very ruthless and just 
took an over commandeered the ship. <laughs> yeah. This derelict ship or whatever. <laughs> but this is yeah. this is this specific alternate timeline, not the mirror universe. So that's right. That's right. That's right. It could have it could have happened that way. Could have. Could have. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, I guess I'll just go with uh well, this is my third pick. So I always, always, always Wait, do we take two of chance, your picks? No, you only took one. That you took my you took okay. my uh, number number two pick, so this is still my third one. Okay, got it. So so yeah. third like from okay, least to so most. out of the three you took number two. Okay, uh, if we're because like we're we're gonna rank them uh, from. You're just confusing me because know. this is your first pick, but if it's like three, two, one, <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. His first, it's his first pick, which is on the bottom, not his middle. See, pick, I which didn't is the even one you I didn't even rank them. I just I just picked three and I thought I'd talk about them, but. That's well, as cool. soon as Nick starts talking about ranking them, <laughs> so I just ranked them. So I was like, okay, here okay. we go. Three is number, or number two is number three, you know, and all that. Yeah. Oh, anyway, go ahead. I've put you <laughs> off long enough. <laughs> yeah, no, no, you're fine. You're fine. So if I have a chance, I'm always going to take it, and I have to I have to knock Wesley down a few pegs. <laughs> every, come on. Every episode of Real Grey, you're going to knock down Wesley? Man. <laughs> Just a few pegs. It's a few pegs. He's short enough as is, all right? Come on. No. <laughs> I can see no. where this is going, but go ahead. <laughs> uh-huh. I think I have, I have an idea, too, I think. Is it first duty? <laughs> um, actually, I chose first duty, and uh, it's when... Picard finally fi- or uh, Picard uh, finally figures out why uh, why they're there and or at least w- uh, why the accident happened and when when he invites uh, Wesley into the uh, into his red room and basically dresses him down just absolutely the he lectures him on the finer points of morality of his duty as a Starfleet officer and not because not because it you know it degrades him but like it's just it's just you can see that. You can see his um, how much he lo- uh, how much he loves being a starship captain and also a Starfleet officer, and also how how mu- seriously he takes the morality of his uh, of his job, and you know it's it and he sees it as the utmost, um, I, I guess calling I guess you could say or something like that, especially within within uh, within our own, within that universe, and it's just it's just amazing that how. On how passionate he is to um, convey that to Wesley, who's basically a child, and you know, I would hope that he understands it now, um, but or at least after that lecture. So, hmm. I thought that was a badass moment. That's just me. So, yeah, I mean, he's Picard is a man of principle. I think is what you're what you're getting at, and and principle for him is above all other, and so. You know, it's almost like a like a man of the cloth kind of. It's said it's it's that for him, it's the uniform, right, and what right. it stands for. And so, you know, and even I mean, when we see that in other episodes and movies, even when at at the cost, like if if the institution itself feels like it's betraying the principle, he that's when he rationalizes going against the institution of Starfleet of the Federation because what matters to him is what Starfleet is about. You know, so it's not that the guy in front of him has a higher rank and gives him an order. If if that order is against the principles of the Federation of Starfleet, he's going to dress that admiral down just as bad as he dressed Wesley down. It doesn't matter whether it's a cadet or, or a superior officer. That's true. And we do see him dress down admiral sometimes as well. <laughs> so, yeah, I love it. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's true. Like, um, you know, Picard has this this certain certainty in in his morality and his principles and he's going to defend it no matter what the consequences even if he puts his career 
on on the line, even if you know he hurts Wesley's feelings or whatever. He just he's going to do what's needed because it's right, and he thinks that it's going to lead to uh, to some better circumstances or people bettering themselves. So yeah, that that's a great moment, Richard. I hadn't thought about that one at all, <laughs> but uh, well, yeah. I mean, I was thinking like guns blazing, and I was like, I was like, no, 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 let's not go that direction. <laughs> so yeah, because yeah, you I mean, can just, be a yeah. badass not just by you know guns blazing or killing people or punching them, but by being really forceful and uncompromising about your principles or about something that you believe in. You can be a badass that way too, right? I think that's what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> hmm. So, yeah. Okay. Nick, would you like to do number two? Sure. Um, so my middle choice is from The Defector. Um, and specifically... <laughs> the scene i mean i just that scene talk about getting the chills every time i watch it the scene at the end when tumalock really thinks he's got picard cornered right and 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 then picard first it starts it's which i love that that's that's obviously patrick stewart's acting skill there's kind of a crescendo right you can sense that you start to sense that picard is like not worried so he probably has an ace up his sleeve and then he says, you know, first he kind of like sits down and says, you know, well, if the cause is just, my people are ready to die today. And you're like, oh, he's, he's pretty, pretty cocky, pretty comfortable. And then Tom Luck is like, oh, I expected more from you. And then Picard's like, then you shall have it. And then, you know, he says, Mr. Worf. And I love, you know, obviously then there's the reveal. And then, but I love, it, it's already, this is already badass Picard. But then when he gets up and then kind of stares down Tom Luck and says, what shall it be, Tom Luck? Shall we die together today? Yeah. Um, I'm like, okay, it doesn't get much more badass than that. And this is again Picard. What I love is he's not like you were saying, Richard. Richard, he's not. And I love Picard as an action hero too. But he doesn't have to be running down a hallway shooting his phasers or you know doing stunts. This is him being a complete, almost like Cisco type badass in that in that sense, much more than a Kirk um, tough guy. But you can tell that he is he is ready. He is like, and he knows he has a superior advantage. But if it come if it came to the fight, and if the Romulans did open fire and it, it went down he would have it's, it's a bit of a poker gamble but he's ready to go all the way if it if that's what it takes and i i think that's that's really it's a great great moment for him as a as a as a tough guy see now maybe that's the reason why he never got or he, they never really invited him to the poker game uh, yeah yep. <laughs> to the what, senior, what? senior shall we die together game? at the poker table is that it <laughs> I mean, I, I could I could see a stare down like like that with Riker also, where Riker is like, you know, trying trying to say, uh, "You are bluffing," and then Picard like saying, "Am I?" <laughs> As he pushes all his chips in, <laughs> and the person would, and the only person that would know that would be De- would be Deanna. So <laughs> I'm mm. like, uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, some chips decloak onto the table. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he goes, Mister Wharf. <laughs> you know that'd be an interesting way. Yeah, that's a, that's a new way of cheating. Uh, yeah, you could like you know beam you know chips and right into your pocket or something. No, like we're that. talking wait, about wait, wait, wait. how he has principles. He wouldn't he wouldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> but no, no. I mean that's um, definitely a great moment, Nick. In fact, I think we talked about in the favorite character moments a couple of weeks ago. The shall we die together? Because I just mm-hmm. love that he is willing to do that and lay everything on the line. And Tomalock, I think, believes it. He's like, all right, I we just need to get out of this situation because it's just not going to be worth it because he is determined he will die for this cause. So yeah, definitely a great moment. 
yeah, you're totally right. I think that you know, at the end of the day, he's not bluffing, and that's why Tomalock backs down because he, the only way that gamble could pay off is if Tomalock really believes. Okay, if I push him, he is gonna he's gonna do it. He's not he's not going to hesitate a second. Um, so yeah. he's it's it's not a, it's it's either a, an awesome bluff or not a bluff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Picard knew the writers had his back and wouldn't kill him. You know. yeah yeah no kidding right (laughs) yeah and you see picard in some of these confrontations with romulans going all the way back to the first season with um the neutral zone and he's able to get his way out of it without really you know getting into a, a shooting fight even though these romulan ships are much bigger than the enterprise so i think he's very skilled in these kinds of confrontations and and looking tough in the right ways in order to get the Romulans to back down or to work with the situation so that he doesn't get into a shooting war. So I think he's, there's multiple times where he has those confrontations and he always, I think he always pretty much comes out ahead as far as I remember. (laughs) So for the most part. Yeah. 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 Like he stays alive through the whole entire seven seasons. So, you know, (laughs) Oh yeah. His contract ensured that. Yeah, I'm sure. (laughs) But no, I mean, but but like at the same time, even as an audience, when you know, like, okay, for the most part, except best of both worlds, when you know, when you're watching it, like, oh, they're not going to kill him off here. Still, it's still it's believable that that would happen because of who you know Picard is and how he's working things. It's actually believable and not like a cop out, at least to me. But would they? Uh, but would they do that nowadays? If say, for instance, TNG was going on now, you know, like you're, I mean, like with the mentality of Game of Thrones and all that kind of stuff, and whatnot. probably not. I mean, they they would probably depending, you know, if he's the popular and the star of the show, he, they probably wouldn't kill him. But you you would see him get a, a bloody nose maybe more often. I mean, but I mean, it's a it's an ongoing process, right? I think TV has evolved as as a series of stepping stones, and and TNG definitely, you know, was one of those. I think it was one of those shows that started, it, it was a little before shows like the X-Files or Twin Peaks that really kind of brought on the whole concept of continuity. But I think that that was a stepping stone to that. And they started to have things happen where there's memory, right? And things kind of have a repercussion. And um, to me, like Ro Laren, for example, is a good example of that. Her arc, you know, and, and the fact that, and I would say she is probably one of, or I would imagine that Picard perceives her as one of his great failures. Because in the in the, in the he, end, yeah, he, yeah, he took he took her under his wing. He gave her a shot. He believed in her. He promoted her. He pushed her through, and then and you know and it paid off until it didn't. Until it didn't, and right. until she said, "Ah, you know what? Love you, but no, thank you." And then you know, and, and that episode at the end, when you see his face, it, it really feels like this is kind of like, oh man, this is what it feels like He's to lose. broken like at, at, that, at that ending shot. It's, it's pretty amazing. So, yeah. By the way, the story between Picard and Roe continues in the novels, and it's quite interesting. But great choice for sure with the defector. Thank you. Outstanding. <laughs> so, uh, Justin, number two? Well, I guess I'll, I'll pick the one that uh, maybe a lot of people think of, of first, just to, to uh, get it out of the... I mean, I, I love it, but... I mean, I'm thinking the movie First Contact, right? I mean, <laughs> when people think like badass Picard, they often think that, you know, him, you know, running around with a, a phaser fighting the Borg. But um, like, I, I think what's what's really interesting is you see 
different aspects of, of Picard during during this movie because he has to be tough and do certain things with with Lily to really convince her of their cause and of what they're doing. But at the same time, he has to, like, in order to save Earth, he has to be merciless. And, you know, when one of his crew members gets assimilated, kill them, you know, and when he's on, on the holodeck uh, and with his big goodbye simulation, take out a machine gun and do what's necessary in order to get the equipment from the the the, the Borg. But because, it, like, it's interesting because I think it's in that movie, it's kind of a mix between moments where you're like, where you're like, yeah, let's fight the Borg, and other moments where you're like, shoot, did he just cross the line there when he did that? You know, but he's, but like, if we think of a badass as just like tough and uncompromising for for the mission, then he is absolutely doing what what is necessary, and 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 it's like in a lot of ways it's great to see him do that, but in a lot of other ways it it's a bit disturbing. <laughs> so, what do you guys think, Nick? Yeah, I I, I completely agree. That that's actually the reason why I didn't pick it and initially it was going to be definitely one of my three and as i thought about it i i ended up taking it out because and i i love the movie and i love picard in the movie but the the problem that i have and, and i have a few other problems with the movie they're not problems that that prevent me from enjoying it from loving it but they're things that over time and the more i rewatch it and think about it kind of are are in the back of my mind in the case of, of his character it feels like it's great kind of in the vacuum in the bubble of itself. Um, if it was, let's say the season four cliffhanger or, or story of TNG, I would, I would think it's one of the best ones they did, but where and when they produced that story feels like it's a little out of place for his character. Like it works in the vacuum of itself. Um, but then I, I start to think, okay, but this is the same Picard who by then has lived, you know, an entire life from the inner light and you know, where he had all this time to process what happened to him and to get to be such a wiser man. This is the Picard of tapestry who was sent back and relived part of his youth. And again, learned this valuable lesson and kind of, you know, did more maturing. This is the Picard of all good things, right. Um, who literally saved mankind. And, and so I, I'm like, this is the, this is this guy who, who by, by now, this is not six months after family. This is a guy who, who has grown. And we even saw him address kind of his, his trauma with the Borg through the episode with Hugh a little bit. Um, so to me, it feels like it feels then like it's written in the way it is just for the sake of that, which is, Oh, we want to have Picard be this cool action hero and go around and kill Borg and be tough. Um, and we're going to do that. And, and I love it, but that kind of, See, it didn't work as well as when we were talking about Starship Mine, where it feels like he's being a cool action hero, but he's still in tune with who Picard is. And so that that was just enough for me to, to knock it knock it out. But I, I love it for itself. I enjoy it every time I watch the movie, of course. Yeah, it, it, it's interesting because I, I guess I have to disagree on, on some of the points because First Contact is actually my favorite Star Trek movie out of out of all of them. And and the reason for that is that there's this this difficult situation that they're put in. And at the end of it, through the things that Picard needs to do and the crew needs to do, they're making it possible to continue with the first contact with Earth, which helps to, you know, free him humanity toward toward a better future. So the the way that that I see it, I mean, first of all, <clears throat> like I, I think Picard has had some opportunities to process what 
happened in the best of both worlds before, but I don't think very much. I think it's little bits here and there. And, and he suppressed a lot of that. And it's been kind of festering for, for many years at that point. I mean, and I think in real life that, that can happen where like a trauma happens. You might deal with it a little bit, but it might come out a lot, you know, years later because it's triggered by some circumstance or, or something. Uh, happened. So I think for, for me, it, it works because I don't think he could possibly have worked out that experience where his whole identity is taken and, he, and in some ways feels responsible for killing 11,000 people on these different Starfleet ships that the Borg Cube attacks at Wolf 359. So like, even though it might seem like, you know, this isn't quite as much the Picard that we know, it, it works for me because I think he has a lot of anger and he has a lot of stuff to work out. And he may get a bit carried away sometimes, but he does what's absolutely necessary in order to save the Earth from being assimilated and in order for the first contact to still happen so that all of these great things can happen going forward in in the future, moving toward a more utopian society in the 24th century. So anyway, I I totally understand your your viewpoint, Nick, and it makes me think about it, but I, I feel just a little bit differently about it. Yeah, no, those, those are good points. And, and I mean, and I think the Borg Queen also plays a big role in kind of justifying why he has this resurgence kind of of, of the, the trauma with the Borg, right? Because he had, he basically had forgotten, like he, he wasn't aware of her. And when he sees her is when it brings all this stuff, like what she did to him and what they did to him. And in the movie, the Borg can still communicate with him. So it's like, it's still invading his head. So, mm-hmm. yeah. but what do you think, yeah. Richard? Well, I was just about to say basically what you're going to say, uh, Justin, that, you know, um, I, I, seeing it through Nick's perspective and then and then thinking about it, you know, it, it, it kind of works where he get he, he he does all these actions to basically to the point where he it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. you're going way too far with this. You're blinded by vengeance and you want to, what you want to kill. You want to get everyone on our side killed sort of thing. And, um, and then it gets to that breaking point where he's like, oh, wait, you know, why, you know, this is not what we need to be doing. And, um, it's, as you were, as you were talking about that, it just played, it just played through my head and I'm like, oh, that makes more sense. That it it made me love uh, first contact even more. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, but I, I, I get where, I get where you're coming from, Nick. Um, and, um, I, but I agree with uh, Justin more (laughs) on this one, but like, those uh, those are fair points. Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But, um, I also chose this one. This was actually my number one pick. It was also for, like was, was also there. first contact. It was first contact. Yeah. Shoot. So I I'm cri- am I cribbing from your list? Is that two that I've well, taken? Well, I got one more. I got an honorable mention. Actually, I have two honorable mentions. But like, um, but the, just in case something like this happened. But like, so I, I'm just going to describe one scene. So there's one scene when I when I had I think I still had the VHS. I don't have a VHS player, but I still had the VHS. But like, I used to rewind a certain area. Um, in the movie, and that was when they're in the arms room getting all the weapons and everything. FYI, he he says Marquez in that uh, in that <laughs> little scene too. Favorite moment in all of Star Trek, right, Richard? It's, it's actually Richard's it's great, 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 great grandson. There you go. <laughs> actually, that's the second time he mentions uh, Marquez. Anyway, because <laughs> the other one was on lessons. Um, but like uh. Yeah, so, so this is the second time that he uh, says Marquez um, throughout, obviously, Star Trek. Um, and 
it's it, I don't know what it is about that scene. It's like it's like you're getting all ramped up, ready to go out right out of the arms room and getting on your weapons and your um and he shows this map. He shows that you know obviously they they got to puncture the uh, the cooling tanks to basically stop them. But like I don't know what it is, but I kept on rewinding that, rewinding that, not because of the Marquez, <laughs> <laughs> but because I don't know. It's just maybe just that whole you know. I don't know, Nick, if you know this, but I'm I'm former ar- ar- army, and I do. Yes, um, I do. <laughs> and I just I love that feeling that we're we're going to the arms room, getting our weapons ready to go, and um, lock, lock and load right down the uh, right down the range. And it's just reminding me so much of that. And then having Picard lead us on the uh, on our way to the range is even better. <laughs> so um, I absolutely love that scene. I kept on rewinding it on the VHS. Don't know why it just pumped me up. <laughs> well, I mean, it sounds like it's kind of the marriage of two things that you love, and you know. And if this was one of the moments, I don't know. I'm just guessing, but if this is a moment that is dear to you from this part of your life, and you know, again, and this is a moment where all of a sudden you you can you can relate, you can experience it, but then you can see, you can also almost then see like Picard as your military leader in that moment. So I could see how where that will become a very a very strong, very powerful experience. You know, watching that scene because it's like you know exactly what it feels to be the guy walking in, picking up his gun, his weapons, getting ready, and now you're experiencing it as as if like this. This guy was your was your CO, right? Which That's right. Cool. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yep. I would love that. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Good moment. Going against the Borg. <laughs> yeah. Nice. So. Anyway, um, so yeah, so I guess um, that's my choice number two. So I guess we can we can go to the next one. <laughs> um, Nick, let's let's hit number one. Let's hit number, number one. Number one. So number one is very simple, and I picked it for that because that, that it's like it's so so subtle, but then it says it says so much. Um, it's from uh, the wounded. I think is the title of the episode. I always get the wounded and the hunted. The, the first one with the Cardassians, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yep. with Gulm effect. Um, and it's the very end of the episode, you know, and it's the scene again. It's one of those turns, right, where it's the wrap up. It's right after O'Brien leaves the the ready room, um, and there's again, it's, it's you kind of kind of feel Picard sliding into the 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 badass, you know. First, he he kind of he sort of like has a of a, a little bit of a opinion argument with Masek about saying, well, you know, yeah, he did something wrong, but we, we should we should not we won't dismiss him. We can pity him, but we won't dismiss him. And then like and it's also all the timing. Right as as Golmasek is about to leave the room and he says, and one more thing. Um, and then you can tell he just and he lays it on him very calmly. He's like, don't don't for one second think that I don't know what you were up to. Um, and then it's the very end when he says, you know, take a message to your people. We'll be watching. And he turns around and shows him his back. Mm-hmm. And that <laughs> is a true badass moment because, you know, I mean, if you think about it, even in a situation where you would do that, where you actually caught somebody, you know, red handed, um, their pants down and you're kind of letting them know. It's a, to make the conscious choice of actually turning your back on them. To say get out, basically, and and it, it's a pretty ballsy thing to do, and and I think that tying it with the defector, um, that's why I also wanted. It's, it's so simple. That's why I wanted it to be my top, and I wanted to kind of, and circling back to what Richard was saying, 
I'm the first one. I love TNG. I love Star Trek for the fact that it's it's this peaceful ideology, and TNG was kind of the apogee of that. And saying, well, it's humanity, you know, being kind of ambassadors and being peacekeepers, and you know, Starfleet is not per se a navy, but at the same time, I think it's completely legitimate to say that um, they're, they're they also come from a military tradition. They also have a deep understanding of tactics, of strategy. Um, and, and they, they, again, it's like, I don't think we need to separate the two because this is in the future. It's a evolved humanity. They've been able to marry the two concepts to get the best out of both. And this is clearly, it's not just speak, speaking of Picard's character, but it actually is, this is tactical learning. This is him. Cause that when you do that again, it's another poker move. It's, it's a clear way. It's almost like a Jellico move. It's like, I'm going to turn my back on you and I'm showing you, it's a show of force saying you're you're nothing i don't acknowledge you be gone right yeah oh no that's a great moment and i do love that that's how the wounded ends because i mean first of all you know picard is saying i have these limitations so i can't really search your ship but i know based on everything that's happened what's really going on we'll be watching you and sh- and showing him his back is almost like saying i have no respect for you anymore be careful. You know, we're not going to be friendly here. We're, we're probably going to be adversaries. And like, if you look at it in hindsight, it kind of, you know, feeds right into what you see in, in Deep Space Nine, where the Federation has to be really wary about what the Cardassians are, are doing. Right. So, yeah. And, and I, I do love that. It's, it's, it's like, don't you for a moment think that, um, you know, we're, we're going to be pushovers or it'll be easy to push us around mm-hmm. now go away. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I absolutely, you know, to, to add on to that, um, maybe, uh, maybe not, maybe not with the respect, but like definitely to turn your back onto someone, especially in adver- um, adversities or I'm sorry, as an, um, as a race, like the Cardassians or something like that. I mean, could you imagine doing that to a Klingon? <laughs> well, I mean, what it also says is that, like, I'm tough enough that I can turn my back on you, and I know you won't try to harm me or kill me. Right. Like, right. Yeah. I've proven that I'm tough. Now, and and the ultimate improving that you're tough is to turn your back and know that your enemy is not going to harm you. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. This, 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 exactly. this, this is how much I don't fear you. Yeah. That mm-hmm. I don't even need to to look you in the eye. Yeah. yeah. Right. Good choice. Mm-hmm. Excellent choice. <laughs> <laughs> so, um. Mr. Ozer, you're number one. Let's hear it. <laughs> all right. Well, I had to pick something from All Good Things. Of course, it's an amazing episode and, and series finale. But what I wanted to <laughs> to kind of highlight is, you know, during the course of, of this episode, you know, Picard's in these three different timelines. And in two of them, basically, he's he's kind of dealing with with people who either, you know, in the future timeline think that, he's kind of losing his mind um, or in the much earlier timeline when he's just getting aboard the enterprise D they don't really know him or if they can trust him. Right. And so over the course of, of the episode, he has to kind of, you know, build trust and motivate them and get them to do certain actions. But then it all comes to the climax toward the end when they figure out that basically they, all three of, of the ships in the three different timelines have to enter this anomaly, you know, have this static warp shell or whatever they need to do and possibly sacrifice themselves, right? And, you know, it, especially I think in in the the timeline where it's, you know, 
supposed to be kind of the first season you know they're they're saying i think yar says at one point like we've we've done all of these these things for you and we kind of barely know you like what what is going on here that you want us to take us into this anomaly we don't even know what might happen and he gives this this great speech saying you know it's for a greater purpose you might not survive but i know you're I already know you're the finest crew in, in the fleet. I'm asking for your trust and for a leap of faith, right? And then in that moment, they decide, okay, we're going to go along with this. And, you know, he convinces uh, them to to do that. And like, you know, and there are moments while this is going on and they've entered the anomaly in the different timelines that people are questioning it, like, you know, what, <laughs> should we keep doing this? And, you know, each ship is destroyed one after another, but he's going to keep to that plan because he knows that it's much more important to do that. And he is, you know, tough enough to kind of convince them in all three of the timelines to, to do that. So, um, I don't know. I, it's, it's maybe like a little bit different than some of the things we've been talking about, but I feel like he's, he's a badass in basically being uncompromising about what needs to be done and taking it as far as all three of these ships being destroyed because he knows it's for a better purpose. Does that make sense? Being able to inspire. Yeah. He, I mean, he inspires them. He, he inspires them by the strength of his character, basically, you know, yeah. whether, whether, whether it's, whether it's the Picard we know and have followed seven years, the one who they've, they've just met or the one who is old and sick in all three timelines. He's, he has so much strength of character that, that people are inspired by him and want to follow him. I'm trying. I'm uh, sorry. I'm. I'm just trying to think of him in uh, Encounter in Farpoint <laughs> when it comes to like, um, uh, being that kind of character. I mean, obviously, he was pretty you know, stern we- in <laughs> in that yeah. episode. I mean, I think. Yeah. I think as this Picard that's traveling between the three timelines, he's bringing something different because of the experience he's had than the Picard that actually comes in the first episode and is kind of more yeah. more stern and a little harder to feel inspired by. You know, yeah, I can yeah. see that. Yeah, I think that personality-wise, he he is more like the Picard that we know from the end of season seven, who's basically traveling it's almost back and forth between the bodies of younger Picard and older Picard. But still, like you were saying, Justin, kind of, he's not the. I mean, the 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 encounter at Farpoint Picard is much more kind of just the facts, ma'am, by yeah. the book. You know, I mean, I think what I would say is like if you had the encounter at Farpoint Picard that was part of this and had gotten information about what was happening, I don't know if he would have been able to inspire them in the same way to sacrifice themselves than this Picard that's kind of known them for seven years, right? Yeah, I don't think so. I think you're right. I think I, I think that Picard, I mean, who knows? Maybe maybe he would have found a way, a different way to, to inspire them. But yeah, I, I don't think if they got to that point where they're doubting him, he wouldn't be able to convince them just on, on the power of his authority yeah. just because I gave you an order. basically. Yeah. I mean, I think what I like also about that, that scene is that like, if I put myself in that kind of situation, you know, I would probably be really afraid that things wouldn't work out and that I'm making the wrong decision. And, you know, I think probably in some part of Picard, he has some kind of fear about what will happen for the situation. I think it would only be natural to do that, but he's, he's going to you know keep going with it because he thinks this is the right way to go no matter how afraid you might be of the consequences or if you're making the wrong decision i mean he has 
toward the end, pretty supreme confidence, like, I know that things are going wrong on this ship and you're questioning it, but we just keep going, keep going. We've got to do it. So I don't know. I just really, it's kind of like, I feel like in all good things, it's, it's, uh, kind of summing up all together the things that are that are great about Picard and that inspire people and that help to bring the best outcome to the situation. Well, it's also about tone, too. I mean, he definitely has that experience and tone to convey that importance of whatever's, go- whatever's going on. I mean, because I'm thinking, like, when... Okay, so FYI. So um, the... Encounter of Farpoint is actually on my honorable mentions. So I wasn't trying to get up mm. in the way or something like that. But like, um, it, it, I just think that, so the, the Picard in Encounter of Farpoint, like you said, is, is more about orders and, and I, I'm just thinking like he's got, he's all sharp corners and no round edges is what, is what I'm thinking. Like it's like, it's like, you need to do this, this way, this way, this way, this way. I don't care what it has, it has done. Whereas, he actually inspires the crew in this, in obviously the last episode, um, he inspires the, uh, the crew because he's got all that experience and just, and I don't, I don't know how to explain it really, but I mean, even looking at someone be like, Hey, I need your help. And you know, it's, and it's very important to save humanity or something like that. And you know, it's just, it's just the way, I mean, just the way you look at someone, the tone and everything. And maybe that, that was his, that's exactly the kind of inspiration he needed for that crew in the beginning at the, the, the crew of the encounter at Farpoint um, episode. So um, yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think, you know, the difference is that by all good things, Picard has understood that, a lot of times you get the best from people by expecting the best instead of, instead of, you know, sort of micromanaging or ordering, or, you know, if, if you, if you tell someone, I think, I think that you're, I think that you are amazing at what you do. And I trust that if I ask you to do it, you're going to do it without me having to actually extract it out of you. You're going to give me your best. So I have faith in you and I trust you. I think that a lot of times that's enough for people to then give you 500%, mm-hmm. right? Because they, they feel validated. They feel like, okay, well, this guy, this guy's counting on me. So why, why wouldn't I want to follow him or her? Yeah, and, right. and so I think he understood that as opposed to, you know, the Picard of Encounter at Farpoint is probably a Picard who's closer to that earlier stage in life where we hide behind the authority that we're given to say, well, you know, just do it because I said so, because by the power invested in me, I can tell you to do this. Yeah. Right. Um, so. Thought you were, uh, I thought you were going to marry someone. <laughs> power invested me. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> um, uh, well, I, yeah, all good points. I, I, I absolutely love it. Yeah. It's a great, it's a great choice. Uh, Justin. Thanks. <laughs> Um, so I guess I would say my number one, but I mean, obviously it's in con- it's first contact and we already just discussed it. So, um, I guess we're moving on to, uh, honorable mentions. Do you guys have any honorable mentions? Um, I have a couple, um, one, one, um, real one, which is, uh, sins of the father. Um, and mostly because, I mean, again, it's kind of like, if you put it in perspective, especially now with discovery, which I think, I think one of the great things of discovery helped do is reestablish that the fact that Klingons are not people you want to trifle with, you know, they're, they are, they, they are not just like, Oh yeah, Klingons. Sure. 
and so when you see the way that Picard handles himself um, on the Klingon homeworld, mm-hmm. you know, and he kind of slips into that. He understands what the dynamics are, and he does it without batting batting an eyelash. He's kind of like, okay, game on. Um, yeah. That's a that's a pretty that's a pretty badass you know way of being. Um, and uh, and then my other one would be insurrection for no other reason than to just mess with you, Richard. <laughs> that's well, awesome but you I mentioned like it. it before he's a badass because he's going to go against federation orders right yes that, that's you know but <laughs> it's mostly it's mostly just to mess with richard i welcome it i love it <laughs> uh, uh, justin do you have any honorable mentions <laughs> i do have a few and none of them are insurrection uh <laughs> i think yeah anyway um you mean the movie that should not be named? <laughs> well, we're, we'll just name it every podcast then. Uh. <laughs> a couple of honorable mentions. I guess a short one. We've talked about it before, but <laughs> the end of Conspiracy, um, when Riker and Picard are basically facing down the parasites and the parasite mother. Oh, my goodness. And the head explodes. But <laughs> again, doing what they have to do to safeguard the Federation. But... I know we've talked about that one before, but I wanted to put that in. But there's... Go ahead, Richard. Well, I was just going to say, I was like, what what setting of the phaser do you think that was? That definitely wasn't vaporize. <laughs> I don't know. I think at one point, uh, Worf says something in an episode about like level 16 being the highest phaser setting. It was something pretty high, <laughs> I would say. Just for the localized like head explosion, yeah. It's nothing about that setting. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> moving on. Sorry, go ahead. Go no, ahead. I mean I I love it as a moment, but at the same time I'm disgusted by it. <laughs> no, um, no, no. Yeah, it was pretty graphic back even back, back in those then, days. Yeah. yeah, but but my other honorable mention, uh, it actually happens in Unification Part One. So you know that's the two parter where. Um, you know, Spock is on the uh, Romulan homeworld and, you know, joining their unification movement and all that. But it was a particular Picard moment before it kind of gets into uh, a lot of that where Picard knows that he needs a cloaked Klingon ship. And he ends up sending a message to, to Galran, no response for days and days, right? And then when he does get a response, it's like the junior adjutant to to Galron, just like this really low level person, right? And so the person comes on screen and and they say, I regret to inform you that Galron and the High Council are quite busy and you won't be won't be able to speak with you today. And Picard says, Is Galron aware that we have been transmitting messages for the past three days? And then Bijik the Klingon says, Captain, Galron wishes it were possible to talk with everyone who wants an audience, but he is one man. The demands on his time are formidable. If you would like me to take him a message, and Picard says, a message? <laughs> He's just really outraged at this point. It's like, And then he composes himself. He says, very well. Tell Galron, leader of the High Council of the Klingon Empire, that his arbiter of succession, Jean-Luc Picard, needs a favor. And then the Klingon says, a favor? And Picard says, I require a cloaked vessel. A cloaked vessel. This is no small favor, Captain. It is for a mission that could have repercussions throughout the quadrant. How would it benefit the Klingon Empire? I'm sure Galron will ask. The only benefit to the Klingon Empire would be our gratitude. <laughs> and Bajic says, that is what you want me to tell him? And Picard says, yes. And please add that if he is unable to provide a ship, then I'm sure there are others in the Klingon Empire who will be willing to help me. And then they would have our gratitude. And the clan says, I see. 
And Picard says, also, please tell him that I am immensely gratified that he is prospering so well. A tribute to his skilled leadership. I just love in that, I had to read the whole scene because I love in, in the whole scene that he's being put off by Gowron. There's this minor guy who's like, I'll, he's busy and just leave a message basically. And, and Picard is going to, you know, <laughs> with very much just a veiled threat, say, we put Gowron in power and we can support someone else. So give us a cloaked ship. And then I think a few scenes later, they have a cloaked ship. I just love that sometimes Picard can be a badass just with the words that he uses in order to get what he wants. <laughs> so I had Absolutely. to put that one in there. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. It's a great choice. Um, it, I, the only honorable mention I had was um, Encounter at Farpoint, uh, where he comes off as a hard ass to Riker. When he first comes on board after the whole ordeal, with when he doesn't and look at him and he tells him to watch a video to catch up, yeah, yeah, what a great, what a great briefing. <laughs> oh, you know, Richard talking about um, Picard being a being a uh, like that with Riker makes me think, and it kind of loops us back to to your opening with uh, with Wesley um, in uh, uh, in the Pegasus when he dresses down Riker. <laughs> Mm. You know, and when Riker tries to be like, well, you have to take it up with uh, with, uh, with Captain Maxwell. Or is it Maxwell? Or um, uh, In uh, that one, it was Admiral. Oh, my God. I just watched it the other day. Because <laughs> yeah, uh, Maxwell was the other uh, the, the, from from the, the from the, the wounded. From yeah. The wounded, yeah. Um, um, but anyway, like, he, you know, and, and uh, Picard just snaps and goes, you know, I'm taking it up with you, Will. <laughs> and you can see the funny thing is, you know, now every time every time I watch this the scene, I no longer watch watch Picard. I, I watch Riker, and you see the, the the look on Riker's face, and he's like, "Holy crap! I've never seen this." Daddy's mad at me. <laughs> oh yeah, and like that's the thing. Like Picard can be like really diplomatic, but you do not want to make him angry because when he is angry, you don't want to yeah. face that wrath, right? So, I, <laughs> so right. I looked it up. It's Admiral Pressman in that episode. Pressman, yeah. yes. And that's a great episode, and it's it's yeah, it's really great that that Picard is just gonna let him have it, you know, and like, and I think he goes on later to say, you know, he's an admiral. You've got orders from a superior officer. There's not much I can do about that, but you know, just make sure you do the right thing in this situation, okay? <laughs> you yeah. know, like yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's another great scene, like you were saying, where like the power of his words. It's just his words, and he's calm, but you can tell, you know, and he says, I think there's a line at the end. It's kind of like, it's always like the things he drops at the end where he's like, because if I should find that you didn't do the right thing, I may have to reevaluate the command structure of this ship. And it's like, okay. Riker's like, <laughs> dismissed. <"Ooh." laughs> yeah. Yeah, just with, I mean, like, and especially like in those later seasons, by that time, they know Picard well enough to know that you can't trifle with him and that he will be tough when it's necessary. And right. if he found that Riker did the wrong thing, I wouldn't be surprised if he was just didn't want him as a first officer anymore. You know, you believe it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> yeah, very much so. So, final thoughts. Mr. Nick, would you like to uh, start us off? I think like we like we were, we were just talking about, I think the thing that, that I really enjoy the most revisiting these moments and talking with you guys is the fact that Picard, what I really love about him, and again, if I had to edge him out as who's my favorite captain, he would probably be my number one because um, I think he embodies, in Picard, I really see the, mom, the things that we talk about that Starfleet is about, what Gene Roddenberry wanted to promote, the idea of an enlightened humanity that tries to always, you know, talk first and figure out a solution and understand the other the other uh, person's point of view um but at the same time there's no doubt 
that it's all there's also a lot of strength in in the understanding that sometimes you have to make hard choices um and the ability to do them intelligently because that's another thing that people i think a lot of time dismiss about sort of the concept of military action or military thinking military you know it's to me and i'm not i i never served in the armed forces but i i have a lot of respect for what they stand for and to me it's not just oh you pull a gun out and you shoot it's it's a lot of military thinking is based on intelligence and intelligent thinking and tactical thinking anticipating um and so i think that picard really embodies all these 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 values these notions um and i, I think that was a great opportunity to kind of have the, that that chat and, and see that about this character awesome awesome justin yeah, so I mean, when you presented this topic, Nick, I mean, of course, I was very interested because I love Picard as as a character, and it's the opportunity to kind of look at him maybe in a different light. And you know, when I was first thinking about it, I was like, oh, is it going to be you know the moments where he's you know shooting or you know a- attacking with the weapons of of the Enterprise or punching people or whatever? But you know, I mean, it very much as I looked at it, and I think people listeners would see in the choices that we've given that it's much more than that because he can be someone who is kind of forceful and uncompromising with his words as well as any actions with you know weapons at at his disposal and I think it does kind of point up a really nice balance that that Picard has he's a really great diplomat but he's also someone that if you're put in if he's put in the situation to you know, take some kind of military action or to be really, you know, tough in that way, he will. Um, So I think it's interesting. And I hadn't thought about it as much in that way before, but it's interesting, like all these episodes we do where we're looking at things in just like a particular light, it really reveals something. and, And it reveals that I think Picard has more balance between those two kind of aspects, like the diplomatic or exploration part of his job and kind of the you know, military or defending the Federation uh, part of his job. So, yeah, I really appreciated the examination. It was very interesting to to look at all these these picks we had today. I think it's a, a, a Teddy Roosevelt, right? I think it's him who said, mm-hmm. um, uh, "Speak softly, but carry a big stick." Yep. Right. And I think I think I think that that really is what it's all about. And you see that in the character. He understands that speak softly is is the goal. But, but you need to use all the tools to do that. And again, we talked about all these little things that he does that are deliberate. And sometimes that's that's the, the big stick part is to let people understand that I'm willing to do whatever it takes to get to the ultimate result. And, and you know, these tough, tough decisions are part of the, the, the bag of tricks. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, when I was actually going through all these uh, or trying to figure out the, my three choices, I, I didn't want to go to the route of like, guns blazing sort of thing and uh, maybe that's the reason why I miss <laughs> Starship Mind altogether uh, but like it, it's just like you know li- like like you guys were saying you know to be a, to, you don't have to be the biggest baddest guy that's on the uh, on the in a sense in the uh, in this case um, the biggest baddest on the playground you just need to have that presence and you you're you don't you don't really have to show that kind of uh, show, show that kind of action and that's ultimately hearing our choices and analyzing it and and whatnot, I actually makes you kind of rethink on who's really a badass in, in Star Trek. I mean, it's like out of all the captains and now it makes me want to go back and think about, you know, every captain that's, uh, that's out there really. What is, 
who I, I guess I guess um, I mean everyone uh, each captain has its different situations and different era and challenges within that era. But like I mean, especially when you know TNG seems to be this utopia where nothing. I mean, everything's homogenous and 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 whatnot, and there are still problems going on around and you don't have to be that person that shoots everything. And you could just be that person that has that big presence and, um, and still, and still be that badass and get stuff done, especially on those big choices. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I kind of feel the same way, Richard, maybe like reassessing, <laughs> like how I feel about <laughs> the different captains, because I've often said that, uh, Picard and Cisco are kind of tied for number one for me because, you know, they, they have different strengths, but I'm seeing as we're talking about this more of the strengths that I attribute to Cisco with Picard. So hmm, I may have to reevaluate. Yeah, there's more. There's so there's so much more just. Yeah, like you said, basically just like Cisco. I mean, I'm in the same boat. Actually, it's Cisco and Archer for me. But mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> come over to Team Picard, guys. <laughs> nice, nice. The diplomat. Very, very persuasive, <laughs> Nick. You're very persuasive. <laughs> so before we wrap things up uh nick where can listeners find you online the best place is probably the babel conference um which you know i i, I spend not as much time as i used to but i still go there regularly uh which is the trek fm listener group on facebook um and uh yeah i do i do patrol it uh, frequently and if not you can find me on facebook um under my own name i don't have um, i don't have twitter um, I'm not on Facebook that much anymore either. I kind of, I'm kind of taking a break from uh, from social media and enjoying it very much. But uh, and most of the time when I do go on Facebook, it is to go on the Babel conference. So it's definitely probably the the, the, the best place to find me. Yeah. So are you are, are you patrolling uh, Facebook from the neutral zone? Is that is that what you're trying to tell us? <laughs> well, if I were Richard, I wouldn't be able to tell you now, would I? Uh, <laughs> in your cloaked ship. <laughs> exactly. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming on. It definitely was a treat. And um, I, I've been wanting to talk to you uh, about Star Trek, and here we go. So thank you for coming on, dude. Thank you for having me. I'm Same thing. You know, I listen to Earl Grey. is one of the shows I listen to every week. And so um, to be able to actually sit down and chat with you guys and not just listen is a, is a treat for me. So, yeah. Yeah, thanks for coming on. It was it was great. We really appreciate the topic suggestion and all of the, the discussion that you brought today. Very, very happy to be part of the group. Yeah. Well, um, a, a preview for next week's episode. Amy will be back. I promise you. All these math jokes and what and uh, math equations that she's gonna step up her A game and everything because next week we're gonna be covering games, sports, hobbies of TNG, including like poker, fencing, stratagema, um, worst calisthenic uh, hologram program. And is it Dom Jot? Dom Jot is that, is is that we're going to be discussing too? I want to talk and about that one at more. least. <laughs> we have to talk about that. And more. We may cover more depending on the time we have. So that's what we're going to be uh, discussing next week. So um, bring your bring out your notes about uh, all these game sports and hobbies and everything, and we'll be discussing that next week. Well, it's been fun going over our favorite badass Picard moments, but that isn't the only thing we've been talking about here on the network. Here's what you might have missed elsewhere on Trek FM. Previously on Trek.FM, the ready room. I'd like to see a starship where the chief medical officer is a Tellarite oh. and see his bedside <laughs> manner. I'll see, I'll see your, 
your crappy Louis Zimmerman hologram <laughs> right. amalgamation and raise you a Tellarite doctor. Yeah. Uh-huh. The 602 Club. This is such an incredible beachhead in terms of what they do with what we've come to expect now with, like, the beginning of Guardians of the Galaxy or resurrecting Peter Cushing. Warp 5. We share about 50% of our DNA with a banana, so I think we're a bit yeah. closer to, to reptiles um, than 50%, but still. No, you're, I, yeah, I, so what I you're saying is it's possible to have an intelligent banana. Um, I'm not saying that. I'm just and saying I'm 50% that... 50% banana. To the journey! Bullions don't have a lot of hair. That we know of. So, I mean, we've never seen a shirtless bullion, have we? Not that I can recall, unless it would be in sick bay or something like that, but I can't recall an incident of a shirtless bully. <laughs> How do you know that they're not hairy-chested? I kind of love the idea that, like, from the neck down, they're covered in hair, but they're bald on top. <laughs> and that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. Check out all these shows and join the conversation about your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts. If you're an Apple user, be sure to hit the subscribe button in Apple Podcasts on iPhone, iPad, or Apple TV, or the desktop iTunes app to get the latest episodes as soon as they are published. And please leave us a star rating and written review. That helps others to find the show. If you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find all of our shows on Google Play Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, in most third-party apps, and you can stream and download the MP3 file from our website or grab the RSS link. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's show, and there are many ways for you to do that. The best place to join in the larger conversation is the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just type Babel, B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook, and it should come right up. If you'd like to send us an email, you can use the form on our website at trek.fm slash contact. Choose to send to a show and select Earl Grey. That will come straight to us, and we might read your email on the show. You can also find the network on Twitter at trek.fm and on Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm. So, Richard, where can people contact you when you're not using the Vulcan neck pinch on the Enterprise D? <laughs> From what I hear, humans are not effective. Well, Picard is. <laughs> yeah, except for Picard. Yeah, but he's got an advantage, Sarek. <laughs> he's got Sarek, yep. Yeah. <laughs> so you guys can find me on Facebook. I pop in here and there on the Babel Conference, stir up a little trouble here and there, but not too much. Um, but also, I am also on Twitter, and my handle is xransom. Justin, where can people contact you when you're not facing down the Klingons in an alternate timeline? What are you talking about? I don't remember that at all. <laughs> I plead the fifth. <laughs> well, uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at TrekFan4747, where I tweet about nothing but Star Trek. I have started my season five rewatch, and I'm tweeting about it. Yay! Yay! I know each season takes me a while, but I'm there on season five. Uh, you can also find me uh, hanging around the Babel Conference on Facebook. If you'd like to help us keep all our shows coming to you each week, you can become a patron of the network on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash trekfm. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekfm to get all the details. Perks include early access to episodes, exclusive content, producer credits, and more, available through our special patrons website, The Patron Zone. 
It requires a great deal of money to produce, host, and distribute these shows each month. We really appreciate any support you can give us and hope you'll join the team. Again, you'll find all the details at patreon.com slash trekfm. We'd like to take this opportunity to recognize our current associate producers, Norman Lau, Justin Ozer, Michael Huter, and Thomas Appel. Thank you for supporting Trek FM and Earl Grey. So join us next time for another cup of Earl Grey. Take this message to your leaders, Golmaset. We'll be watching. Today's a good day to die!